Good morning, everyone. I am so honored to have been invited back to St. Stephen's for the next two weeks before the arrival of your new rector, Whitney. When Pat Carlson called me and these weeks were chosen, I had no idea what the gospel of today would be. Likely another miraculous story of healing, I assumed, like those we'd been hearing for the last several weeks. And then, of course, God's sense of humor came through again when I prepared for today's sermon and read the gospel about Jesus' visit to his hometown of Nazareth. Here I am back at my home church in my hometown, and I am preaching the words of Jesus. A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Or when you take out the double negatives you get, a prophet has honor everywhere, everywhere except in his or her hometown. So, here Jesus is, back in Nazareth. And after an amazing run in other places, what happens? Jesus flops. There is no question that they would have heard about all the stories about the amazing things that their hometown boy had been doing in other places. But come on, they said. This is the kid that we've watched grow up. We know his parents. We know his brothers, his sisters. He's just the local carpenter, for goodness sakes. They were not only skeptical, but we're told they were offended. So what happened? It is hard, isn't it, to take seriously the things that we hear from people that we know pretty well. People in our family, people in our church, our neighbors, our friends. Some of you may know that I worked during the week as a chaplain at Norwalk Hospital. But when I first started my training as a chaplain about 10 years ago, I learned about listening skills, emotional attunement. I learned about conveying compassion. So early on in my training, I decided it would be a good thing to try out those skills on my family members. We could all use a chaplain, I surmised. So one day, when my husband Peter brought up something that was on his mind, I turned, I gave him my full attention, I let him talk. I nodded empathetically. And after it was all over, he turned to me and said, please don't ever chaplainize me again. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you it also doesn't work on my daughters. For those of us who are graced with family and friends who love us, for who we are. We are blessed to have their understanding and their love without conditions. But the other side of this is that we 
won't most likely have their extreme adulation either. Or you can't be a prophet in your hometown. We will never know what was on the hearts and the minds of the people of Nazareth when they rejected the new Jesus that they saw before them. But we can be sure that the effect of their rejection was surely felt by the human part of Jesus, and that that human part of him may very well have experienced self-rejection. One of my favorite works of theology is a short book by the theologian Henry Nouwen called Life of the Beloved. He wrote this book for a secular friend in hopes of answering the question of what it means to have a spiritual life. For Nouwen, the key component is knowing and most importantly, feeling that you are a beloved child of God. When Jesus was baptized, a voice came from the heaven that said, you are my son, the beloved, my favor rests upon you. Nowen says that in a world filled with voices that shout, you are no good, you are ugly, you are worthless, you are despicable, you are a nobody, that it's hard to hear the voice that speaks from above telling you that you are loved, telling you that you are loved by God. At Norwalk Hospital, my office is located midway between the psychiatric outpatient clinic and the valet parking where the patients pick up their cars. After a visit to our clinic, the patients pass by my office and often seeing the word spiritual care beside my name, knock on my door and ask to come in. What I came to see was that the folks who knock on my door are often doing those work on their psychiatric conditions, be it depression or addiction or even delusions. Still, they had a very strong sense that the real hope they were seeking that would allow them to be free from their terror, the unhappiness, the insecurity, the self-rejection, was when they could truly believe and most importantly feel the love of God for themselves. The majority of the drop-ins to my office are experiencing depressive illness they also often struggle with loss of employment and strained relationships due to addictive behavior. Through tears, they tell me of the despair they feel and the need they have for hope and some light through the dark cloud that hangs over them. They look to me for answers, which might allow them to regain, regain some sense of purpose in their lives. On more than one occasion, I wished I could do more than just comfort. I wished I could do more than just pray, that I could in some way bring them close to God so that their suffering would end and they would be free. On more than one occasion, 
I have searched desperately for words that might allow that sense of God's unconditional love to be really felt and to have that feeling be the match that rekindles the flame of their hope and their faith. Despite my lack of success in terms of miraculous healing, I have witnessed that spiritual care with those who have psychiatric conditions is an extremely important adjunct to medical care. Sometimes, as we know, just listening is enough. Sometimes just reminding a fellow traveler that they are beloved by God, that they matter, can make a big difference. When I thought about this sermon and its theme of not being a prophet in one's hometown, I kept going back to the many years that my life and my family's life revolved around St. Stephen's and was so intertwined with all of you good people here. And I realized that my own ministry will be forever linked to the prophets who spoke to me in this place. Prophets out there, you who do not realize that you're prophets, prophets who offered me my first cup of coffee at coffee hour, prophets who encouraged me to try out Stephen ministry, prophets who inspired me by their commitment to mission, prophets who helped me to untangle the jewelry in the nutmeg booth <laughs> till the wee hours of the morning, heat and humidity notwithstanding. Sometimes it takes going away from your hometown to truly comprehend the truths that you missed when they were actually taking place. Truths that were actually in front of you that you missed because, well, because you missed them. And who really knows? Because, I guess, because we're human. We humans, we miss things. But now that I am back at my home church in my hometown, I speak to all of you prophets out there, both past, present, and future, and say thank you. My ministry has been so blessed by you. My ministry has been informed and strengthened because of you. So thank you. And when you feel rejected, and we know this will happen, it happened to Jesus. Please remember that you are the beloved child of God. Shake off the dust that's on your feet and move ahead. Don't hide your light under a bushel. For as Henry Nouwen says, when we keep claiming the light, we will find ourselves becoming more and more radiant. And wherever I go, please know, your light travels with me. Amen.